learning new life. Can I get a good morning? Good. Thank you. Maybe some of you all were up with the storms like I was last night. Not quite awake yet, but it's so good to be with you. My name is Shauna Rushing. I'm the pastor of small groups and communities here. And before we jump in and dig in uh, to scripture and to our theme today, I have a couple of things I want to share. One is Rich and Rosie and the kids are on vacation and we want to continue to pray for them and bless them that they may have a refreshing and restorative time, right? The other thing I want to share is that we have an opportunity right now uh, to be extra generous with uh, our kids who are going back to school and our teachers, our educators. Can I see a raise of hands, the educators in the house today? Thank you. We honor you. I know you may be holding on to the last little bits of summer, but here's three ways uh, that you can be generous and help with our school supply drive that ends next Sunday. So we need to bring our stuff, do all everything we're going to do by next Sunday. So we have a backpack fundraiser. We're partnering with PS329Q right here in Elmhurst. And they have a lot of kids who are in need. In fact, they have 148 students who are currently in shelters right now whose families are trying to make a new life for themselves here, and we want to do whatever we can to, to support them and make um, their transition easier. So there is a link um, that you can go to at our website to buy those school supplies, or you can bring them in here. And we also have a list for our teachers. Our teachers, our educators in the room have given us a list of what they need. And many of them are paying out of their pocket, most of them, all of them, <laughs> are paying out of their pocket for, for supplies. And we wanna take that burden, uh, lift, help lighten the burden. So you can click on that Amazon wish list and buy them uh, what they need. And the last thing that you can do is commit to praying for one of our new life educators for the whole year. And I know my mom is a teacher. I have watched her work. She, she's been teaching for, I think, close to 40 years. Um, and I know what it would mean to her to have someone praying for her consistently through the year, encouraging, supporting. So if you would be willing to do that, we are going to have an opportunity here in the building. I think there'll be kind of like a tree with names on it, and you can choose one. So please be praying about how you want to bless our kids and our educators as they prepare to go back to school. We are in a lexicon of faith series are important key words of faith. And you may be asking, what is a lexicon? These include the important words of a particular language or a subject. Some of you all have a profession and you have a lexicon in the medical field or technology or even in education, and I don't know it. <laughs> but you have these words that, that really define what you do and that you use every day, right? In sports, we have particular words that define baseball and basketball, and there is a sport that we have been learning a new lexicon for here at New Life, thanks to Kelly Ng. Uh, the Community Life staff and uh, our staff in general has been learning how to play pickleball. We have been learning what is a kitchen? When can you go in it? And when should you not be in it? We've been learning what it means to be pickled. 
okay? And this group right here, these are the pickleball champions holding their classic dill pickles up. Kelly is an amazing teacher, and actually, if you are a part of our singles and have joined and are signed up to join our flourishing event on Sunday, he's going to be teaching you to play pickleball. I highly recommend. So pickleball has its own lexicon, and we as the people of faith have words that are deeply meaningful and important for who we are as the people of God. And so we have been going through these words because sometimes we misinterpret or misunderstand them, or maybe they just lose their meaning a little bit because we've heard them so often. And we have been learning about the gospel, about grace, about sin and faith. It has been so, so good. And today, I want to talk to us about the word holy. Holy, did you know I asked for this word? I did, I did, I'll tell you why uh, in a little bit. But I wonder, what do you think of? What do you think about when you hear the word holy? Maybe you think about God, we were singing about his holiness, who he is, the wonder of who he is, and we're gonna talk about that. But maybe when you hear the word holy, you also think about perfect moral achievement or you associate it with a particular stream or faith tradition where you have to wear very strict clothes and only listen to certain musics and you can't dance or play cards anybody grow up in a tradition like that yeah i see some hands yeah so maybe when we think about holiness we think about that and it feels intimidating out of reach unattainable to us and I know for me, when I first, you know, began to hear holy and the word holiness, for a long time it was intimidating and out of reach. But today, I want us to move from feeling like, or when we hear or encounter the word holiness, moving from it being intimidating or whatever you may think that may not be the best, to being compelling because truly this word, the reason why I want to talk to you about it today, I want to teach you about it today, is because it has become compelling to me. And I want it to be compelling for you. All right? Okay. So let's read our scripture for today and pray before I tell you more. First Peter 2, 9 to 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. Let's pray together. And if you are willing and comfortable, would you even open your hands just as a symbol that you want to be open and ready to receive whatever God wants to impart in this time? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome and honor your presence. Would you help us be more aware that you are here? Would we be compelled by the beauty of your holiness and who you are? Would you give us a deeper understanding of what it means? 
And Lord, we pray for any ways that we've misunderstood you, misunderstood ourselves. Lord, that you would give us an invitation into something new, into something exciting, into something that you are calling us to be as your people. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We say we need you and we're dependent on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So when we talk about the word holy, I want to start with the foundation, which is God being holy. God is utterly unique in all of creation. He is the sustainer of all things. He is, there is nothing like him. There is no other God who compares. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this. And when I was in uh, Hebrew class studying in seminary, my professor was talking about this word and it really captured my attention because he said when we're talking about holiness, the essence of who God is, the purity of his character, it means of one substance. Meaning there is nothing tainted, nothing impure. We, like, we can't understand that, right? Because we've got all kinds of mess going on. It's hard for us to understand the purity of love, of faithfulness, of justice, of mercy, all encompassing, all together, that God, in his goodness, in who he is, there is nothing, no blemish, no taint, purity. It's something to behold, to honor. And it really actually helped me understand the Trinity more fully. Because when we think about this one God of one substance, of character, but in three persons. They are completely in harmony, working together, but they, there is nothing different about what they're doing, nothing impure. It's all about love, all about drawing us in to their divine dance together, right? It's beautiful to think about. But I wonder, have you ever had a moment where you just get captured by who God is. Maybe you're looking at creation and it is blowing your mind. What you're seeing is so beautiful that you can't help but be drawn into worship. But you're in a place like this, gathered together with the people of God and you just sense God's nearness and you're captivated by his presence, by who he is, and you're drawn in. I wanna tell you about one of those moments in my life. But before I do, I, I wanna tell you about this season. It was actually when I was a senior in college. And I grew up as a minister's kid. I had a lot of eyes on me, a lot of expectations for me to live up to being a really good Christian girl. And I wanted to do that and I worked really hard at it. But by the time I got to college, I was really exhausted in trying in my own efforts to measure up to whatever the standard was of all these different people around me. 
And so I had just said to God, I love you, God, but you know what? I'm doing my own thing for a little while. I'm going my own way. I've just made it about me because I was just tired and I didn't want to do it anymore. Anybody been there before? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you all the details of that, but let me just say it didn't go well. It did not go well. After a couple years, I recognized this is, what am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. I need you, God. I'm dependent on you. And so when I came to that place of surrender in college and I began to just give my life to God, I just, like, knowing who God was was so fresh and exciting. Like, coming to Scripture, just suddenly it came alive in a way that it never, ever had. And so one... uh, like one week of my senior year, I was invited by my aunt and uncle to go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina with them. And I was so excited to spend that time on my own. And they actually were doing things by themselves. And so I was in the hotel room by myself. And because I was so captivated with God and what he was doing, I'm spending time in his word. And I felt like I really needed to go out on the balcony of this hotel room. And it just kept feeling the urge. So I go out there, and I'm looking out across the sea, and all of a sudden, these spouts of water start shooting up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Is that whales? Like, am I seeing whales right now? And I was. There was a pod of whales that were like traveling by my hotel room. And there was a crowd gathering on the shore to watch. And I was just like speechless watching this and that God would give me the gift of getting to encounter his creation like this. And guys, I love whales. Like if you, you know, your Instagram, it gives you a little feed because it knows what you like. It's like feed her all the whale videos (laughs) because she loves whales. (laughs) Anyway, so... This is such a gift from God, and I just begin to be captured and captivated by what I'm seeing and by the sense that God is with me and that he's giving me this gift. And in that moment of just beginning to experience his presence and his holiness, I felt like all I could do, the only response that was adequate was to get down on my knees and to put my face in the carpet in worship for this amazing God. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before. And as I'm down there, something interesting happened. I'm facing the carpet, worshiping God, and I suddenly hear breathing, like audible breathing. And I'm like, God, like, are you breathing on me? I'm This is so weird. Like, I'm freaked out. What is happening right now? And I'm puzzled about this, and I'm kind of like frozen. And then all of a sudden, I realize that the breathing that I'm hearing is the person snoring in the room next to me. (laughs) And I just felt like God was playing a joke on me. Like, I'm like... And, I can, and he's laughing at me, and I'm laughing at myself, and we're laughing together. And I just think God is so playful. 
and so present. And sometimes I take myself way too seriously. And he just wanted to have a laugh with me in that moment. But in that season, you know, I, I was really beginning to be compelled by who God was and wanting to be with him and his holiness. And I, I could begin to understand, you know, in a small degree, God is holy. I can get that. What I could not get or understand is that I could ever be called holy. I had made so many mistakes. I had chosen, I had been like, peace out, God. I'm, I'm going this way. And so to think, even though I knew in my head, like, you're forgiven and all these things, it was like, I could never think of myself like that. Can you relate to that? So today, where I want us to focus our attention is what does it mean for us to be called holy as the people of God? Because I think it's hard, it's a little hard. It's hard for me to understand that, to believe that. What does it mean for us to be called the people who are set apart and holy to God? For someone to give you a definition uh, by a New Testament theologian, his name's David Peterson. And he says, with regard to God himself, holiness implies trans- transcendence, uniqueness, and purity. That's what we were just talking about. He's utterly unique, of one substance, the purity of his love, his mercy, all the things that make God who he is, okay? But with regard to us, As God's people, holiness means being set apart for a relationship with the Holy One, to display his character in every sphere of life. And we're gonna talk about that more. If you are going through scripture and looking for the word holy, you're gonna see it describing a lot of things. Not just God, not just people, objects, Places And when something is called holy, that's not God, it means it's set apart for him. It belongs to him. All right, so the biggest thing that I want you to know today is that holiness is our identity as the people of God. Holiness is our identity as the people of God. And God had chosen a people for himself. We see this starting in the Old Testament. I wish I could go through all of it with you. Maybe you would rather me not, and I'm not going to. Um, But I think it's so interesting, and this is an exhaustive topic (laughs) that I wish I could share more on. But I want you to know from the beginning God was choosing a people for himself to represent him in the world, right? The people of Israel. We can see that um, in Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And God continues to seek out drawing all people to himself. He didn't just choose Israel just for themselves as an exclusive club, but that he is wanting all people to know 
that he is the God of all gods, that he's the holy one, and that everyone is invited into relationship with him, okay? And so in Jesus, our great mediator and high priest who comes and makes the way for us to be forgiven and declared set right, justified, not guilty, holy. Jesus comes, right? And he makes a way so that we will be called holy through his work, through his work. And he wants us to be his holy priesthood. So let's read this scripture again, the one we read at the beginning, but I wanna give a little more context in 1 Peter chapter two. If we can put that up. The first slide uh, that's earlier would be great. That's it, thank you. So now, knowing who we are as the holy people of God, rid yourself of all malice, of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, now that you have experienced the wonder and beauty of God's holiness and know that he's good, live like this. As you come to him, the living stone, we're talking about Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, Jesus, and the one who trusts in him the one who has faith in him, right? Remember Pastor Sharon talking to us about faith meaning trust last week? The one who has faith in him and trusts in him will never be put to shame. And here's our key text. Let's read it again. For you are a whole, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, holiness is our identity as the people of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is true of you. It is true of me. It is true of us. We are called holy. Do you know what saints means? It means holy ones. And there is no exclusive club for being a saint. If you are in Jesus, you are a saint. And Paul wanted to make sure that the early church understood this. He called them saints over and over. He wants them to know this is your identity, saints, holy ones. In fact, he starts six of his letters addressing them. Let's look at that. In Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, to God's holy people. Opening line, I want you to know who you are. 
not because of what you've done, not because of your moral achievement, but because of what Christ has done. You are the holy ones of God. However, I understand that this may be very, very challenging for you to believe, as it has been for me, as I was sharing earlier. You may be thinking, you don't know me. You don't know my mistakes. You don't know how many times I failed. How could I ever be called holy? And that's a real question that I think is in most of us. And when I think about this, think about feeling so unworthy, I actually think about this character, a Disney character, uh, from a well-known Disney movie turned Broadway play. I, when I asked the earlier service if anyone had not seen this movie, literally no one raised their hand. It's the Lion King, okay? We know it, it is, it's, so, it's so good, it's so good. But maybe you haven't seen it in a while, so let me just remind you. It's about this lion cub, right, named Simba, and he is destined to be king. But his uncle deceives him, and he makes him believe that it was his fault that his father died. And so when his father died, he had so much shame over what happened that he disqualified himself. No one else disqualified him. He just said, I'm, like, I'm not fit to be king, to be in this role, and so I'm leaving. Right, and then he takes on this posture of hakuna matata, right? I'm gonna, he gets some new friends. We're just gonna live our life. We're gonna enjoy the good life and I'm gonna forget about who I am and what I've been called to do. You guys remember that? Yes. yes. But there was a very wise baboon, and he came after Simba, right, to, try, to remind him of who he was and what he was called to. And as he's doing this and talking to him, and Simba's like, no, 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 no. He has this vision of his father, right? And the clouds are swirling, and he's like, Simba. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, look inside yourself. You're more than what you've become, and remember who you are. Remember who you are. And I bring this up because I really believe that God's saying that to us today. You need to remember who you are. And maybe you need to recognize for the first time who you are as chosen and beloved by him. But I wonder if like Simba, you have disqualified yourself. Are you disqualifying yourself when God has already qualified you. I know I have disqualified myself. I'm not worthy, I'm not holy, I can never measure up. No, I can't. But in Christ, I am called holy. 
I am made holy, and God's inviting me to live into that. And so that's a question I want us to sit with today. I don't want you to disqualify yourself from something God has already qualified you for. And I certainly don't want us disqualifying others that we're judging or maybe looking down on for whatever reason. There's some temptations that we face when it comes to holiness. And I wonder if you can relate to any of these. I can relate to every single one. So the first is to disqualify or sideline ourselves, just like I talked about, because we cannot measure up no matter how hard we try. We disqualify ourselves. The second way is that we pride ourselves in our own moral behavior and achievement. We're feeling good about you know, what we're doing, our daily reading or whatever it is, and it becomes about us and what we've done, not about Jesus and what he's done. And in that pride, we often end up judging and disqualifying others, don't we? Another way uh, that we may be tempted when it comes to holiness is that we exhaust ourselves trying to measure up, and I mentioned this. I, oh my gosh. I was just exhausting myself trying to please everyone in attempts to like honor God, but really I was trying to please people. Okay, so that's something that we, we are tempted to do to prove our own worthiness. And then one other temptation I wanna highlight when it comes uh, to holiness is to focus on certain behaviors uh, that we think are most important or prove our worthiness and, when, and neglecting what's most important about loving God and loving our neighbors. I feel like as Christians, we nitpick the weirdest things that we make the focus and we're neglecting the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed. And I think if the people of God begin to focus on loving their neighbor more than like nitpicking little things. And I'm not saying how we behave isn't important. Of course it is. We're to live out of who God made us to be. But I don't want us to, I think the enemy uses that as a strategy to get us to pride ourselves, judge others, and completely miss the point that we're here to love others and to point them to Jesus in a way that's compelling, right? So we need to beware of these temptations when it comes to holiness. And I want us to live in to four realities when it comes to our identity as the holy ones of God. So I've talked about four things that I want us to beware of as temptations, and I want to end with four things that I think are so important as we seek to live this out, to know what it means to be called saints to be called the holy ones of God. And the first is that this is a calling. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, it says, be holy as I am holy. I made you, your creator made you to be like him, to reflect him in the world. No matter what our job or daily life is like, our calling and role is to reflect God, to be holy. 
a set-apart people belonging to him. And you know, you may have been holding this question. I wonder if you all are holding this question. Okay, so you're saying I'm holy. That's true of me. But I also understand that I, am, I have a long way to go and that I'm making mistakes every day. What does it mean for me to be, you know, moving towards a greater holiness? We have to talk about this with a term called sanctification. Have you guys heard of this? Sanctification. Sanctification means to be made holy, okay? And I wanna talk about holiness uh, or sanctification in two different ways. There's a theologian who puts it really well. Um, his name is Stanley Grintz, and I wanna put it up on the screen. So first of all, what I've been talking about at, with our identity, being holy, that is the positional or definitive kind of sanctification, okay? Through our relationship with Christ, because of what he has done, we have been declared, God has declared us to be set apart and holy. We belong to him. We receive this reality solely by faith, okay? It's definitive. Our position, because of Jesus, is we are holy. That is what we're called, okay? And so we've been made holy in Christ, and that is true. But there's also this kind of sanctification, which Stanley Grintz calls conditional. And this is the actual transformation of our lifestyle, the morality that comes out of our new position and progressively comes to characterize our lives. Conditional sanctification arises as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the transforming of our lives. In and of ourselves, we cannot measure up. But we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to walk out the identity that we have been given in Christ as holy more fully every day. That's conditional sanctification. And we have a calling. Do you know in your baptism, I grew up Baptist, and I remember our preacher always saying when he was baptizing People, You were buried to your old self and raised to walk in newness of life. So we are putting off this old self, the flesh that's all about us, all about our, you know, evil desires. And we are putting it off and we are moving in the new creation that we are as holy ones. And we're walking this out, our calling. And so I want us to remember that. This is who we are and this is our calling. The second thing I want you to know about um, this reality as holy ones is that it's corporate. When we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, not my Father, our Father, and we pray, hallowed, holy is your name, we're, we are ascribing God's holiness, remembering who he is, but this is corporate. We belong to God and we belong to one another. We cannot be on a silo project of spirituality. It's not just about me and God in the room by myself. Those are beautiful moments. It's important. It's a part of my faith. But if I am not connected to the body of Christ... 
If I don't know that I belong to you all and we belong together, I'm missing it. My holiness and us being built up as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ being purified is about us belonging to one another and supporting one another in this. Amen? Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. The third thing is this is costly. Our identity as holy is costly. We know that it cost Jesus his life, that he willingly gave out of his love and compassion for us because he wanted there to be nothing getting in the way of our relationship with God, for us to be united with him, to, be, to belong to him, to be called holy. It was costly, and when we walk the way of Jesus, when we choose to love our enemies and the people that wanna do evil to us, because that's what our God does, that's the purity of his character, when we choose to walk that out, you better believe it's costly. It's gonna cost us something, and it's worthy. It's beautiful, it's good, it's compelling. When you see someone sacrificially love someone else and lay their life down for them, it changes people. It changes you because it's reflecting the beauty of our pure and holy God. And it's costly. It is costly. And the last thing that I wanna say, and I've already been talking about it, our identity as the people of God should be compelling. It should be compelling. There is no one, no one like our God. And our lives should be reflecting him and his love in the world. Have you ever um, experienced your taste changing or maybe expanding or developing over time because you got exposed to some new foods? Someone convinced you to try something that you thought really looked disgusting or not good before, and they're like, you gotta try this, just trust me. So I am privileged to be married to a man who is an excellent cook. He's very, very good. And being married to him has expanded my taste and what I like. I have learned to like much spicier food. He loves spicy food. And I have even learned to enjoy mushrooms <laughs> because of how he cooks them. It also makes me think of when I was around 14, I grew up in Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma. We did not have a variety of flavors and tastes there. And I went on a trip to visit my aunt in San Francisco and she took me to a Thai restaurant, my first time to ever have Thai. And she's like, Shauna, I just want you to be prepared. This is gonna be like a party in your mouth. <laughs> and so, sure enough, I put in this delicious soup and I'm like tasting lemongrass and coconut and spiciness and it's like an explosion of flavors and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even knew this existed. This is so good, this is so good and I, I want more of it and I wanna tell my friends about it. So what I'm suggesting to you 
is that when we taste the goodness of our God, we, I mean, there is no end to the flavors, the sweetness, the richness, the tangy, the spicy, like there's no end to what we can experience in God. It is so compelling, it's so good. The more we immerse ourselves in being with the Holy One of God and tasting His goodness, the more we're gonna wanna be like it, the more we're gonna wanna share it with others, okay? Like our scripture said, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up, you may become mature in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Friends, do you know who you are? Do you know what you're called to? You are the holy ones of God. You have been set apart, chosen by him to represent him in the world. I want us today to remember or maybe recognize for the first time who we are. The holy ones, the holy ones. That is who you are. Let's go live it out in a compelling way to the world. Can we pray together? God, we do honor you as the Holy One. There's no end to the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of who you are. I pray today that we would taste a new flavor, a new aspect, a new part of who you are that we've never experienced before, and that would compel us to want to know you more, to want to spend more time with you so that we may become more like you that we may be empowered by your Holy Spirit to reflect the beauty of who you are in the world. I'm desperate for that, God. I want that for my life. I wanna be a part of that in the body of Christ. Would you make us all a part of that? Open our eyes to see that we are the holy ones of God. Let's stand and sing in response together. I'm gonna sing this song one more time. Let's, let's stand and sing this song in response together. We're gonna sing this song one more time. And in the bridge it says, the veil is torn and the door sling wide. We can run to God because he has called us holy. Jesus is in this room.
it, right? So we believe, we recognize that God is holy. And it's easy for us to sing about it. It's easy for us to say it. And then we reach the stumbling block to say that about ourselves, to say we are a holy people. Just sounds like it's a little off, right? It's just like, ah, I don't know about that. Well, the thing is, we are a holy people in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that changes everything. We're a holy people in Christ Jesus. We're a holy people because of the work that he did on Calvary. We are not, we are not in ourselves holy. So if we're not a holy people, then we're nullifying the work of the cross. It's a very insidious thing, that bit of doubt. He completed the work at Calvary. Therefore, we are a holy people. You can't have one without the other. So I want to ask you, which of these questions are you holding? Are you disqualifying yourself? Or are you disqualifying other people? Because that could be the other thing. Are we pointing out all of the other people that we see don't match up and measure up? Or are you trapped in disqualifying yourself? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to my right. And if you want somebody just to pray with you, just to help God, the Holy Spirit, to help you release you from that trap, because it is a trap, it's a trap, come up and ask somebody to pray for you. This is not a step when we say this. This is not self-exhortation or, or to put ourselves on, on a pedestal or to see how great we are. We say we're a holy people in Christ Jesus to declare what a work our God did. What an amazing, awesome God we serve so that we can humbly before our God display this compelling message to a world that's desperate to know what it's like to be loved, to know what it's like to be cherished, to know what it's like to have peace. People are dying literally to have what we have. They just don't know it. So this week, I'm asking you to just think about those two questions. Am I disqualifying myself? And if you are, just, just confess to God. Ask him to show you what does it look like to walk humbly before him. What does it look like for you to embrace who you are in Christ? And if you're disqualifying someone else, the same thing goes. How can you ask for forgiveness? How can you again ask the Holy Spirit, help me to walk humbly before you? And certainly, if you don't even know who Christ Jesus is, we want to invite you to scan that QR code, to, to speak to one of our pastors, to find out who this Jesus is we're talking about, who he is, what did he do, what do you mean Calvary, what do you mean the blood of Jesus? You can ask those questions. You can reach out to us. One of our pastors will contact you and discuss what this journey could look like. No obligation and no question is out of bounds. And if you have 
uh, relationship with Jesus, but you haven't been baptized, we want to encourage you to do the same thing, to reach out to us, to understand what's the significance of baptism. What does it mean to, before your friends and family, acknowledge your relationship with Jesus Christ? Friends, this is a beautiful message. It is an empowering message. And I pray for all of us that we can receive the gift. We can receive what Jesus did for us and be able to look in the mirror and say, yes, I am part of the holy people of God, his church. So I'm going to ask you to spread your hands out and I'm going to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. So brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may his holiness be compelling to you. May you receive it as the gift that he intended for you. May you know that Jesus sees you. He loves you. He embraces you. That nothing you have done, nothing you do can ever separate you from the love of our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week, everybody.